0: Life Lessons from Psalms, we've been taking some of these ancient poems and songs from literally 3,000 years ago, and we're discovering how incredibly applicable they are to our lives today. And this morning we're talking about following God, and we're looking primarily at Psalm 127. This week, uh, I ran a couple of different programs at the local public schools, and I was talking with the kids, and one of the questions I asked them was, what do you want to be when you grow up? You know, if you could do anything, what would you be? And I know the stereotypical thing and the groan of the parents go, we know, they used to be doctors and nurses and, and astronauts and firemen, and now they want to be YouTubers. And I realized that because that's common, But the real key behind that, something they mentioned, which is a a new thing, again, is they want to be influencers. And you know what's interesting? This is exciting for all of us. We can all be influencers today, okay? So today's the day you can finally become an influencer. Because we're talking about the family today. And we're talking about how we can make an impact on our current generation and preparation for the next generation. Now maybe you're here today and I recognize that God has not called everyone in order to be married god's not called everyone to have children and so therefore what we have is an understanding that this message you think oh this message isn't for me i can sit back and take a nap no because every single one of us has the ability to be influencers and so the principles that we're applying today is really universal in every aspect and if you are a young person here today which some of you are I recognize this is teaching you in preparation to support and help your parents as they parent you. So you can be good kids and follow along in the plans that God has for you. So the question of this entire series has been this. How do I remain sane in an insane world? We heard a few minutes ago about street chaplaincy. And, and to be honest with you, Tim did not go into a lot of detail about the various things that are happening on the streets of Bunbury. But we understand there's a lot of really weird things out there taking place. We live in a crazy, insane world. We recognize politically and, and socially there are things that are just upside down and backward and wrong is seen as right and right is seen as wrong. And you have passionate arguments about, about various things. that like you, you think, this is just crazy. We live in an insane world. So how do we remain sane when everything else around us is crazy? And as parents and as husbands and wives and even as children, how do we become influencers and in letting God work in and through us? We're going to build upon the, the understanding of what we talked about last week. We talked about a man named C.T. Studd. And C.T. Studd is a man that I would encourage you, if you're not familiar with him, Google his name. He's quite a remarkable man who grew up very wealthy, went to the most prestigious schools, ended up playing for England in the very, very first Ashes series, and literally gave it all away because of his relationship with God and said, that's not important to me. And he gave away his wealth, gave away his prestige, his honor, his fame, and he became a missionary. And I'll be honest with you, I couldn't name any of the players from 1882 who played in the very first Ashes. But I can tell you about C.T. Studd. And he's a man who became a missionary in China, later in India, and then in, in the Congo and Africa. He wrote pr- quite prolifically, and he was famous for writing a poem called Only One Life. And the most famous two lines of that is, only one life will soon be passed, only what's done for Christ will last. And I challenged you last week that I said, I hope that bothers you. And I hope that sticks with your mind as we begin to evaluate the things that we do and the things that we don't do and our motivation behind our actions and recognizing that life is incredibly short and only what's done for Christ is truly going to last, not just our time here on earth, but for eternity. And as we have that as the underlying principle, this is our principle for today. And every Sunday, we have a principle that we seek to apply to our life. And today is, following God personally will change my family's life. In other words, we can become influencers. Psalm 127. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. We'll be in there in a few minutes' time. I'm going to give you a little bit of background before we open up that passage and read Psalm 127. This psalm was written by Solomon who was King Solomon, the son of King David. And Solomon was a man who had special privilege, and God had come to him very early on as as a young man, as he was preparing to be the king of Israel, and the great responsibility that would have, and the understanding that there was wars going on, and there was constant battle. People were trying to kill, would try to kill him. People would try to to, to take over his nation. The sense of responsibility was overwhelming. And he was thinking to himself, how am I going to be an influencer? And God graciously came to him in a dream. And in first Kings chapter number three, verse nine, the scripture says, this is the request that, that Solomon made of God. And God basically says, what can I do for you? How can I come alongside you to help you become the king you need to be? And Solomon wisely said, Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind. Help me have wisdom. Help me know what is true. To govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to govern your great people? And as a result of that, God blessed him with understanding and discernment and wisdom. But he also said, I'm going to give you great wealth, and I'm going to give you peace. And so as a result, the nation of Israel enjoyed tremendous peace during the reign of Solomon. They enjoyed tremendous wealth. And it says silver during the time of Solomon was like nothing in Jerusalem. Silver was like your plastic throwaway plates. Who cares? Throw it away. That's how silver was at the time. So the question of the day is, how do I remain sane in an insane world? I have a very simple phrase, follow God. I know that's easy. You're in church. We already know that, right? Well, let's go into God's Word and discover what the Word of God teaches us about it. It will be on the screen for you to follow. You can follow along in your Bibles. And it says this in Psalm 127. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is vain that you rise up Early or go late to rest. See that teenager's like, that's right there. It's like, they like that little phrase. It is vain that you rise up early. That's like the mantra of a teenager. Eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, and the fruit of the womb, a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them, for he shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. This morning, we're going to discover from this passage four different life lessons for our families. Now, I recognize that not all of you are in the position of having children right now. I'm going to use the majority of my illustrations will be from the family point of view. But this is the universal principles of how to be an influencer in in the world around us. And the four principles are place God at the head, priority of parenting, protect your family, and finally, is praise God. And we're going to discover those four points. I'm going to move fairly quickly this morning, but this is my challenge to you. As you hear these, I want you to personalize each one of these and think how they fit into your life, into your current circumstances. So first of all, we have, place God at the head. The very beginning of the psalm, the first three words, unless the Lord... It starts off with, and it focuses our mind immediately as soon as the psalm begins. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. And so often we can learn what something is by turning it upside down and saying, what is the opposite of that? Well, unless I try to do this all by myself, Unless we listen to the world around us, unless I have this to be my security, unless I have this job, this house, this education, then I'll be secure. But what does it say there? Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. If God is not building the home and the foundation of the home, the scripture there says it's not going to work. So with that we need to understand that god has a plan unlike what society says you are not some great cosmic accident god has a plan and a purpose for your families the family you see is god's idea from the very very beginning before the church was established by jesus christ there was the family. Before government came into being, there was the family. In the very beginning of the Bible, in Genesis chapter number two, right after creation, and it lists all the various things that are good, 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 good. And it looks around, God looks at creation and goes, It is good. And then he comes along and sees man all by himself and I think men if you're sitting next to your wife make sure you actively agree with this okay It says in Genesis chapter 2 verse 18 then the Lord God said it is not good that the man should be alone I will make him a helper fit for him make sure mhm make sure you agree with that actively if you're sitting next to your spouse and then verse number 24 continues on, it says, "Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. One of the first conversations I have with people that are, are getting married is I talk about this passage right here, verse 24, where we are leaving the past, leaving our home, and you're taking responsibility, and now you're becoming one together, and it's a beautiful picture. What God gives us here. You see, our world and our society has lots of opinions about what the home is supposed to look like. And over the course of time, we've recognized that the home has been taken and broken and and made what's not what we find in the scripture at all. And we have opinions and we have ideas, but have you discovered that just because you have an opinion or an idea that doesn't make it right? I know. It's amazing. We have a big controversy in our household. We have the controversy of whether it's Coke or Pepsi. And my wife and I, as the influences of our home, have led our family to be Coca-Cola people. And we have a, and I'll publicly call him out, a wayward son (laughs) who chooses quite obstinately to say, Pepsi is better. So the only time that we we indulge him is once a year on his birthday we'll buy him a two liter of pepsi and that's your birthday pepsi other than that we are coke people and i know that's really silly and you know what's interesting The silly as- illustration is this we have opinions about absolutely everything you have an opinion about how i look today you have an opinion about the car that you drive and about the, the, the these different things that you do. You have an opinion about what you eat for lunch later. You have an opinion about politics. You have an opinion about everything. Hopefully when you looked at me, you thought, he looks good. But do you know what? In the grand scheme of eternity, they mean nothing. I don't care if you like Pepsi better. And don't come tell me afterwards. It doesn't matter. But what we go back and find out from the Bible, what really does matter? And it goes back to knowing that God has a plan. God has a purpose for your family's life, and he's already told us what it's supposed to look like. It's not some fun and games. It's, it has eternal purposes. And, and, and with that, God doesn't just say, "We know we know God's plan. He says, let me allow you to follow God's plan. And it teaches us, To follow Jesus Christ. That takes so much pressure off of you and I to know the future and to have all the answers. And something is a joy to sit with a young couple and you hear the news that they're going to have a child for the first time. And there's both excitement and terror in that conversation. The terror of the unknown, the excitement of the future, just hoping they're cute. You have the unknown portion of it. And when you think to yourself, I have no idea what the future holds, but God knows what the future holds. And when Jesus was walking on the Sea of Galilee, and he'd be just starting off his ministry, and he begins to call disciples to follow him. He's coming along on, on the Sea of Galilee and he comes across some fishermen that are cleaning their nets. And the scripture doesn't give us any background as far as any previous conversation. And the way it lends itself is Jesus walking along and they know him by reputation. And he says to them, follow me in Matthew chapter number four. And I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Now, as a quick side I always thought that Peter and Andrew, this particular passage is about, were probably pretty lazy. And like you know what? I, I don't really want to clean these nets anymore. I'm just going to go follow Jesus, not knowing that the future was going to hold. And you know, poor, poor dad sits there <laughs> and cleans the nets all by himself. They had no idea what the future was going to hold. They didn't know the miracles that they were going to see, the teaching that they were going to hear, the fact, the the honor and the privilege they were going to have to walk side by side and be close, intimate friends with the creator of the universe, Jesus Christ. They had no idea that they were going to be sent out, that that they were going to die for their faith in the future. All they, they knew was, follow me. And as a result of that, when they did, Follow God and they place God at the head rather than their opinions and their ideas and their desires, God was able to do great things in and through them. Someone said this, and it's a, it's a quote Where God guides, God supplies. And you begin to think through how unknown the future is for every single one of us. We have no idea what this afternoon holds. Some of you are excited because you're engaged. We have a couple a couple couples engaged here today. And it's exciting. And you don't know what the future holds. But you know what? If you begin with the foundation and placing God at the head, you know that you have God has a plan for you that you can know, you can follow the future becomes a lot less scary because it's not on us to perform. We're simply following God and putting him at the head. The second point this morning is this. The second lesson that we can apply to our life is the priority of parenting. There's a personal responsibility that someone is going to raise your children. Someone is going to be the influencer to your children. And if it's not you, then who is it going to be? And oftentimes in our society, the society abdicates our responsibility to our school. Sometimes we abdicate the responsibility of spiritual things to the church, but it's the parent's responsibility to raise and teach our children. So it becomes a priority. And when something is a priority, it becomes important on the list of things to do. The scripture says in Psalm 127, verse 1, it says, Unless the Lord builds a house, those who build it, and it uses the word labor, labor, it's a lot of work to build a house. It takes a lot of work. And I recognize that my wife is amazing. And, and, and she takes very good care of us. So, uh, but, uh, but she's not in the room right now. She's upstairs. So I can say as, as if it's me. I do a lot of work around the house. <laughs> I just finished doing that. And look, it's messy again. Now, how many of you are thinking laundry? And you're thinking dishes? When you realize... That there's always work to do. And you think to yourself as parents, I just told my children not to do that. For the 800th time, and that's not an exaggeration. And we're continuing to teach them and grow them and develop them. And as a daily priority. Not like I gave birth to you. Be free. It's a matter of, I gave birth to you, and now I've taken the priority to raise and teach you. And it's going to be, I guess you do have physical labor in birth, but this is continual labor for the rest of your lives. There was statistics that came out by a group called Choosy. And the Choosy Cost of Kids report came out at the beginning of this year. And I found it interesting, and I'm not giving you all the statistics, but I found so- several things interesting. For instance, the average Aussie spends. 12,823 on their kids per year. Let that sink in for a moment. That doesn't include housing and other things. That's just feeding them and clothing them and the other things. Uh, Some other things talk about priority, which I found interesting. And I'm just quoting the statistics here. Children, it says, are a full-time job. 35 hours per week taking care of children is the average household. 56% of households have had to reduce their working hours or seek more flexible working arrangements because of having children. 41% have had to look for different types of jobs. 66% of working parents purposely put their career on hold temporarily when they had children. And you look at those things, you go, yeah, of course we do that absolutely will do that because it's a priority for us. And then at, at the end of the statistics, they talk about the fact that there's an increasing thing which I had never heard of before. And I'm I'm kind of, I missed out. It's called a baby moon. You ever heard of a baby moon? It's before you have the baby, like right before, like, you know, in the last couple of weeks before you give birth, you go on a little holiday and have a baby moon. I, I totally missed out. We could have three of those. <laughs> and... But there's a personal responsibility that we have that someone is going to raise your children. Someone is going to be the influencer. And if it's not our priority, if we're not putting God at the head and we're making the priority of our parenting, someone else is going to raise our children. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1, which is a great verse to teach your children. Children, obey your parents. Great verse to teach your children. And it goes on, but it says, In the Lord, for this is right. So the key there isn't just obey your parents. It's follow your parents because your parents are teaching you what the Lord is teaching you. The Lord is the influencer here. He's the head, and we're going to teach you to obey us because we are teaching you to obey God. That passage continues on in verse number 4 of Ephesians 6, and it says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Basically, don't frustrate your kids, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So we have two things. We have in the Lord and of the Lord. It's a God given priority that we are doing that of the Lord. So we see who are the life lessons for our family is. First of all, place God at the head. Secondly, is the priority of parenting that we must make it a priority. And the third point this morning is protect your family. Now, as a man, no one is going to take my family. And I would like to think, and I've actually consciously considered this, I'm going to make sure that I run toward the bad guy, not away from him. And I've also made a conscious decision about protecting your family is not just the physical protection, but it's also the spiritual protection that I'm going to make decisions that sometimes doesn't allow me to do the fun things that I want to do because I'm going to protect my family. Something as simple as I'm going to protect the heart of my children by, you know, when I have that hard day. Of course, we'll hypothetically say this, okay? when we're grumpy in the morning. I'm going to consciously think, you know what, I'm grumpy in the morning. I'm going to protect the heart of my children, so therefore I'm going to send them off to school happy. Now, that doesn't always work. But to protect our families, it says in Psalm 127, again, verse number 1, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. And it goes on and says, unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. This is a picture of parents looking over and protecting their family and, and watching and protecting them from danger. Unfortunately, there's no perfect parents. And that's why, uh, the old joke is, that's why you have grandchildren, so you can f- fix all your mistakes. And I like to think of it, that's why we have three children, so we can make our mistakes and have one good child at the end. That's, that's the hope. And my children know my sense of humor, so I can make jokes like that, okay? You might not be able to, but, but I can. We have the, uh, the attitude of abdication of responsibility. That word in Psalm 127, watches and watchmen, is actually the exact same Hebrew word. With a little bit of research, I discovered that going back to the book of Genesis, when God was speaking to a man named Cain, And he was speaking to him after he had just murdered his brother Abel because he was jealous and rebellious in his heart. And God speaks to Cain and says, Where is your brother? And it says in Genesis chapter 4, verse 9, Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel, your brother? And and then Cain responds. He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And many times, that attitude of, am I my brother's watchman? Am I here to protect my brother? We take that attitude sometimes with our families as well and go, you know, I'm going to abdicate that responsibility to someone else. I'm going to give over that responsibility to someone else. And we have, in a sense, sometimes unintentionally, the attitude of Cain where we go, it's not my problem. It's not my job. Now, if you ever Googled Not My Job, you've come up with some really funny things. If you're a tradesman today, you may have heard that around the worksite. Not my job. And there's some silly pictures on the screen about people that took that at that on you know, as they, you know, it's not my job to pick up the, the roadkill, not my job to move the bushes. So I'm just gonna go around And If you've seen different things, you've Google it. There's a funny little videos about people that have some really lazy responses to not my job. And you look at it and you think. They've actually destroyed something because they had the attitude of not my job. You see, it's easy to become tired or careless when we fail to recognize that we're actually in a battle. It's easy to become relaxed when we think that everything is happy. And you may have a great family where the bills are paid. You're getting along with your spouse. You have your your 2.4 children, and they're getting along well. You have the dog, and everything is going well. And we get relaxed and think, just because it's been good so far, that it's always going to be easy. It's always going to be safe. If you go back to Solomon, who wrote this passage, Solomon's a man that frustrates me incredibly. He was given every opportunity. And God blessed him with wisdom and discernment. He blessed him with great wealth. And he even blessed him with peace. And it says in 1 Chronicles chapter 22, verses 9 and 10, it says, Behold, a son shall be born to you. That's talking about Solomon. Who shall be a man of rest? Now, read There you go. That sounds pretty good. I will give him rest from all his surrounding enemies, for his name shall be Solomon, and I will give peace and quiet to Israel in his days. He shall build a house for my name or build the temple. He shall be my son, and I will be his father, and I will establish his royal throne in Israel forever. God blessed him with wisdom, with Wealth and with peace, you know, the trifecta right there. And Solomon had guards during this period of time. And you imagine the previous generation, they were in battle mode all of the time. The surrounding nations could come and destroy them at any moment. So when you were a guard in the life of, of David, in the kingdom of David, you are prepared and ready and waiting and watching because the enemy could t- attack at any time. But during the time of Solomon, imagine how boring it would be to be a guard during that time. Nothing ever happens while we're on watch. And you begin to think to yourself, Do you know what? Maybe it's just because we're really good gods. And we're really intimidating to all the surrounding nations. So therefore, we are just so good and we become relaxed and we become negligent to our responsibility. And that's exactly what took place in the life of Solomon. Solomon had everything. God says, you're going to be my son and I'm going to be a father to you. I'm going to establish your kingdom forever. And Solomon goes fantastic. And he begins to make treaties with a bunch of, of nations around and has a huge harem of women to change his heart and as an older man if in first kings chapter 11 verse 4 it says for when solomon was old his wives turned away his heart after other gods he had a conversation with the creator of the universe and his heart was still turned away his heart was not wholly true to the lord his god as was the heart of david his father Solomon had a son named Rehoboam. Rehoboam became the king of Israel and made some really foolish choices. And he ended up splitting the kingdom of Israel in two. Well, basically Judah and the rest of the nation, they split apart. And they had wars during that time and battles. And what they were fighting against was the fact that they had false gods in their land because Solomon had brought on all these false gods and they began to worship all these false gods. So the nation of Israel was not close to God. They was not protecting their family. They had set them up for failure and then Rehoboam comes along and he splits the kingdom, continues to worship false gods. And you know, within five years, all of the wealth in the temple had been stolen. The Egyptian pharaoh came up and stole all the wealth from the temple and all the wealth from the king's palace. Within five years, it had all been destroyed. All the peace, all the wealth, the kingdom and the unity together. We have a priority to protect our families. Our final point this morning, our fourth point is we must turn and learn to praise God. This is a simple one at the end. But it's not just one that's tacked on, because there's three verses. Verses 3 through 5 talk about this, and it says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, and the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of the warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. There's two things we see there. Well, first of all, it's a heritage. We are part of something bigger and greater than ourselves. And what a great privilege it is to be part of a family. And that's why we often call our church a family. We call it the church family. We look around and you may not have any blood relatives in the Bunbury region, but you have a family here and we also look at the fact that it's a blessing we're blessed of God. So as you look at your family and you may look at your kids sometimes and go sarcastically, "Oh, my little blessings." Yeah, you know, aka brats. But in reality, we need to be constantly reminded of the fact that we're part of something bigger and greater than ourselves. We are preparing the next generation. We don't want to be like Solomon with Rehoboam where it's all gone within five years. I want my family to know and to serve God for the generations to come. And if it needs to start right now, I'm grateful for my heritage and my family. But if it needs to start right now, we can remind ourselves of that poem from C.T. Studd once again. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last.